0: All right, Laker fans, thank you very much for tuning in. As always, a fantastic open from Mario Ruiz. We got one full hour of Los Angeles Lakers talk, final one here before the All-Star break. We're actually going to take uh, next week's All-Star Uh, Lakers obviously don't play after Wednesday until the following Thursday. Maybe even Friday it is. So no Lakers talk next week. Um, One solid hour here. we got a lot to get into. So just to line up everything that we got going on tonight. I want to go back real quick on that loss to the Warriors for a quick second. Lakers not making a move at the trade deadline. Of course, we'll spend some time talking about that. Anthony Davis. Where is Anthony Davis? Uh, Certainly going to key in on focus on one of the Uh, Supposed to be one of the best players in the NBA. Certainly hasn't been consistently that way this year. Potential buyout market for the Lakers. LeBron James did something on Saturday that I think went under the radar. And then I got a couple NBA stories I want to get into. So, appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Let's start off with this. That loss to the Golden State Warriors on Saturday night. Laker fans, I don't know how you feel. I know a couple days have gone by. But damn, did that loss just hurt in a little bit different of a way. Um, listen, the Lakers, whether you want to say they can't catch a break or they're just not a, a a good roster that plays good basketball on a consistent basis, I think it's a combination of two, but definitely more the latter. Saturday night was kind of a refresh moment for the Lakers. Okay, trade deadline is passed. This is the roster that you have. Stop paying attention to the outside noise You're going to go up to San Francisco, play against the team, one of the teams with one of the best records in the NBA, the second best record in the NBA behind the Phoenix Suns. And and listen, I know the Golden State Warriors don't have all their players, so even if the Lakers would have won that game, you got a Warriors team that would say, listen, we don't have James Wiseman, we don't have Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala is not part of uh, this game as well. And, And nobody, I think at this point, doesn't expect that the Golden State Warriors will be a threat to win the whole thing. Be a part of the Western Conference Finals. But for the Lakers, you can't pay attention to any of that. You got the roster that you have. LeBron, AD, and uh, and Russ are obviously playing in this game. And when I say it, it felt like it was a reset game. Let, let's let start a new season going to that game on Saturday, knowing that the competition is going to be tough. And I didn't expect the Lakers to win that game. But you got to the fourth quarter, and you're up six points Now, all of a sudden, things are starting to turn where you're like, I think Lakers are going to walk away from San Francisco grabbing a quick W here. And this could be, uh, you know, arguably one of their more impressive wins of the season, whether it was going to be a turning point or not. I don't think there's any way to um, to describe or to predict whether it was going to be a turning point, because we've seen the Lakers this season, many different opportunities that we start getting excited, and then we just kind of fall back into reality of, okay, yeah, they're not going to do anything with this W. So with all that being said, they had their opportunity against the Warriors, and it was just such a gut punch. It was uh, <clears throat> getting a chance, obviously, to do the postgame show and listening to a lot of Laker fans react. I think everybody kind of felt the same way, that this one was a tough one to swallow. There's one place specifically that I won't forget Um, Steph Curry made a pass, and the ball's deflected. I think it goes off Avery Bradley or Anthony Davis, and it just ends up right in Klay Thompson's hands. He fires a three, a six-point lead, which should have been a turnover. Lakers going the other way, a chance to make it eight or nine. Ends up with Clay making it a one-possession game again, and uh, I don't need to describe... What Clay Thompson did in that fourth quarter, ended up with 16 points, ended up with 33 points, and the Lakers lose the game. Obviously, LeBron gets fouled at the end, misses a free throw. Just an all-around gut punch for the Lakers, and they don't have another game coming up until Wednesday. Uh, but that one is uh, just a quick recap of that one. Basically what this means now, um, Lakers with only one game left before the All-Star break. You're either six games below 500 or you're four games below 500. That's the position that the Lakers are in right now. We know they're 26 and 31. The final game against the Utah Jazz coming up on uh, on Wednesday, which a little bit later in the show I'll preview that game, and it's not going to be an easy one. Utah playing some good basketball right now, um, and, and that game against the Warriors. You're at a point in the season where there's just there's no more moral victories. There is no, oh, well, you know what? Um, at least they played really get well against Golden State. Those days are over. I think every Laker fan is beyond uh, past those days and those conversations. Um, all right, so last week, before I did the show last Monday, we were talking about the NBA trade deadline. Bobby Marks, uh, ESPN front office insider, came on the show. And we were having the conversation about what's realistic for the Lakers, what could they potentially do. I think everybody knew coming into Thursday, Travis and I were doing our show, and our show is 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., so it was right in the heart of the final buzzer of the trade deadline, which was noon on Thursday. But I think there was more and more of a conversation of Lakers probably are not going to do anything. And I want to clarify what that exactly means when I say probably not going to do anything. That's not by that's not a uh a luxury for the Lakers. They they just they only they only can control so much and that to me was the most disappointing part of the trade deadline. It's not that the Lakers didn't do anything. It's the Lakers couldn't do anything. So let, let me let me kind of go into this further. Lakers in the off season traded away some assets that they had. Kyle Kuzma was an asset, and his contract was an asset because he was only making, I want to say, 13 million a year. Young player, got a lot of upside, a lot of promise. That's an asset. KCP again, young player um, has shown that he's a good role player, that he plays defense, that he could hit shots, he could hit open job, uh, jump shots. He's a a nice player to have on a playoff team. That was an asset. He was only making 13 million dollars. You obviously don't have that asset anymore. That was part of the trade to go get Russell Westbrook. All right, a couple more assets the Lakers had. Alex Caruso, they let walk in free agency. You lost that asset. That was another fantastic asset that the Lakers had. And then the last one, um, if you want to throw Montrez Harrell on the list of an asset, but I don't think anybody really expected him to sign with the Lakers. He had a player option. So that's another player that you could say, okay, the Lakers had him. They don't have him anymore. Dennis Schroeder walked away in free agency. We know that. Uh, Didn't sign a long-term extension with the Lakers. Only ended up getting five-point-something from the Boston Celtics. He got traded by the deadline anyways. The Lakers walked into this season pretty much already all-in. They're not going to have too many options of what to do. They're not going to have too many options of being able to make a big move at the deadline. When you give Russell Westbrook or you bring Russell Westbrook and you bring his contract onto this organization – $44 $44 million is not an easy, movable contract. And Russ hasn't had a good enough season to where you thought, okay, hey, he's uh, he's a player that's got a lot of high value right now. Completely the opposite. That has not been the case. Tail and horn Tucker, another player that you paid in the offseason, um, he hasn't had the type of season where teams are lining up saying, we got to go get THT if he's available. So once the Lakers started this year, this was pretty much the roster you were going to have. And the trade deadline was a perfect example of how tough it was going to be for the Lakers to maneuver if things didn't go as planned. Nothing's gone as planned so far this year. The Lakers have not played good basketball on a consistent basis. They've lost to a lot of good teams. Their record against teams over 500 is X amount of games below 500. Um, and we know how much tougher the schedule is going to get for the Lakers as, as they progress through the rest of the season. So the trade deadline to me... The big news was not that the Lakers didn't go make a move. A team that is desperate, desperate to try to change its fortunes and see if they could find a way to be part of the mix again. A team that was expected to compete in the Western Conference and represent the West looks nowhere near like a team that could hang with the elite in the Western Conference. I'm talking about Phoenix, talking about Golden State, talking about Memphis and Utah. Go down the list, but those are the four top teams in the NBA. So with that in mind... The trade deadline was a predicament that the Lakers were in that I thought was tough to stomach because you can't improve your roster with what you currently have right now. And you're also starting to look at the upcoming summer and next season as well. I know things will change when a guy like Russ is on the final year of his contract, but, man, the Lakers just had to kind of stand there and not make a move, and uh, a team that's already struggled as much as it has is going to not have any help for the rest of the season to try to figure things out. Now, listen, I, I do think it was also smart to not give up any further assets this season because if they'd have gone out there and said, you know what, THT, let's sell them on the low, and if they were going to go make a move for Russell Westbrook and they were going to give up additional draft compensation and everything else, and it wasn't going to really improve your chances of coming out of the West, I don't know, why do it? You know what? What would be the reasoning to go make a move like that if you didn't feel like it was going to uh, increase your chances of winning at all? It's not like the Lakers are building for four years from now; they're building for right now. And if there wasn't a move out there that was going to stand out, and the Lakers all of a sudden were going to be in a position, hey, because they made that trade, they're back in that discussion with the Western Conference. Why make that move? And, and I, you know, I, I kind of feel this way and I think uh, Russ and AD and LeBron all referenced it after the game against the Warriors, I think the trade deadline, passing, just getting out of the way is actually beneficial for the Lakers because if you weren't going to make a move and there is this clarity or this realization of there's nobody that's going to go help this Lakers roster moving forward. If you're going to get out of this mess, you got to get out of the mess with the team that you already have. There's some comfort to that, you know, I don't know if you guys ever uh been in a position before, but it's like the last thing you want to do is be in the middle. you're either here or you're there Either way, figure it out, make the decision, and just go forward. And I feel like that's kind of what the trade deadline was for the Lakers that if there were players that thought they were on the market or they wouldn't be playing for the Lakers any further or the Lakers are trying to shop Russ or their conversations about THT going or whatever the case is, right? All the rumors that come with NBA trade deadline. I think it's beneficial that the page has been churned on the trade deadline and the Lakers can now just focus on the squad that they have internally. Russell Westbrook's got to be a better basketball player. Period. No questions asked. He had a good game on Saturday. A lot of it was gained to the basket, only had one turnover. Russ is getting paid the amount of money, and he's been a good enough player in his 14th year in the NBA that he's got to be a better player. Anthony Davis, it's not a quick conversation for me. I'm going to spend some time on AD a little bit later in the show, how he's got to completely change the way he approaches games because I don't understand or know what I'm going to get from Anthony Davis on a night-in, night-out basis, put AD to the side. These role players, whether it's the THTs or the Malik Monks or the um, the Trevor Arizas, most likely you're going to be around the rest of the season. I know the buyout market could still affect a couple of these guys. But again, with all that being said, I think the clarity is of benefit to the Lakers And uh, that's obviously behind us now. The Lakers don't make any move. I don't want to make it sit here and sound like I'm happy the Lakers didn't make a move. No, they needed to make moves. They just didn't have the assets to make moves. So um, the worst thing you could do is just throw some more assets, more chips at the center of the table when you already know you're going to lose the hand. And it feels like that's what the Lakers would have been doing if they tried to make a move at the trade deadline. Um, Okay, a couple things I want to get into when we come back. There's a number of names that are being brought up in the potential buyout market. So the buyout market, there's a list of names that I want to get into. And also, I mentioned this a little bit before, um, Anthony Davis. Are you losing more and more confidence in Anthony Davis of being a franchise player for this Lakers organization? I want to do that uh, when we come back as well. Quick shout out here valvoline instant oil change uh one of our partners here on 710 espn they've always just been a consistent fantastic partner of the of lakers talk and our show for over 30 years valvoline has provided quick and convenient automotive maintenance services for busy people just like you uh we say it all the time oil changes tire rotations transmission care and more just pull up drive in and drive out in about 15 minutes visit socaloilchange.com Remember, visit SoCalOilChains.com. We'll talk about the potential buyout market if there's some players that would be a good fit for the Lakers, number one. And Anthony Davis, is he still that franchise player that we thought? All that coming up next. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN.
1: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple.
0: All right, welcome back to uh, Lakers Talk. Appreciate everybody taking the time to join the show. Uh, crazy weekend, crazy weekend again. Congratulations to the Los Angeles Rams winning the Super Bowl, beating the Cincinnati Bengals uh, at SoFi. You know, it's it's interesting because a lot of times we talk about the franchises here in Los Angeles. Rams were all in, Dodgers were all in, Lakers are all in. A lot of these franchises kind of have an understanding that if you're going to, um, if you want the attention in LA. You gotta have. You gotta put your franchise in a win to in a position to win it all. Lakers are a perfect example. I mean, the Lakers are in Los Angeles. the The conversation about the Lakers is either you're competing for a chip or you're not. Now, the Lakers just won a championship in 2020, and I don't know why it feels like the Lakers haven't won a championship in 15 years, but it really feels that way. And that's just that's the kind of the nature of a franchise that always wins is completely spoiled. The whole thing, I mean, there's no question about it. Um, but watching the Rams yesterday, it's a it's another team here in L. A. that goes all in and they cash in on it. Dodgers cashed in on it in 2020. Lakers cashed in on it in 2020, and uh, and the Rams just cashed in on it yesterday. The key with all these championship runs, um, and I think the Lakers are in a position right now where this is really being questioned. Are you positioning yourself that when you win a championship or you're competing for one, are you built for sustainability? Can you sustain this for a number of years? The Dodgers I know are going to be good again next year. The Rams I know are going to be good again next season, should be good again next season. How long can you keep that window open? And the Dodgers, you know, won, was it nine NLS championships in a row? Something along that I might be off by a year, but something along those lines. The Rams just made it to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. They've been incredibly competitive, and the Lakers' their story has been a little bit different. You know, LeBron gets here, and the Lakers had it made the um, had it made the playoffs. Their playoff drought was the longest in their franchise history. LeBron comes, they don't make the playoffs. He gets injured. Following year, they win it all the COVID year, and then last season we know they're knocked out in the first round. Anthony Davis goes down. And this year, we look like we're heading in the complete opposite direction. Uh, There is no one player that's going to come in here and change the scope for the Lakers. They're going to have to figure it out internally. And I was looking NBA.com, put out this list, 15 potential buyout candidates to watch for in wake of trade deadline. A couple of these names are Laker players. So expect Kent Bazemore potentially to be um, uh, a part of the buyout market. Uh, Lakers would use that roster spot if they felt like all right. There's going to be another player out there that they could uh, they can add to the team. Let me give an example: Goran Dragic. Um, Goran is a uh, uh, you know obviously been in the the league for a long time, and he was rumored to be around teams like the Lakers or maybe the Chicago Bulls, uh, maybe Milwaukee. So we're going to see what happens to a player like him. I mean, I, listen, I, I'd love to get Goran on the Lakers. Again, I don't think any player that the Lakers bring in is going to be this complete game changer, and all of a sudden the season just changes. They got to worry about the guys they already have on the roster um, before one of these potential buyout market guys are going to have some significant impact. Uh, but if Goran came to the Lakers, I'd be happy with that. I mean, every Laker team would, or every I, I think Laker uh, fan would. Again, not that you think he's going to change everything, but he might be able to help a little bit. Some other players they have on here Derek Favors, Gary Harris, Jeremy Lamb of the Sacramento Kings. DeAndre Jordan's name is on that list. Uh, Paul Millsap, Mike Muscala, who is obviously a former Laker. How about this name, Dennis Schroeder? It was a report he could potentially come back with the Lakers. I'm sure some Laker fans roll their eyes when they hear that. To be honest with you, I don't care. It really doesn't matter to me. If the Lakers think there's a, a player out there, I don't care what his name is. I don't care if he's been on the Lakers before. If they think he can help the Lakers, bring him back on this team. And whether that's Dennis Schroeder or that's, um, you know, Goran Dragic from the uh, uh, now currently uh, no longer obviously with the uh, Toronto Raptors, technically with the San Antonio Spurs. If there's a player that they can bring in, then by all means, let it be. And I think the Dennis Schroeder piece of this would be interesting what happens there. Maybe John Wall will be let go and finally get a chance to play again. Tristan Thompson is another name out there. So this is just part of a list of 15 teams or 15 players that could be available in the buyout market. What I want to say is this. Um, I think that as much as the Lakers were potentially looking at at somebody at the trade deadline, as much as they're going to look at the buyout market, there's a player on this Lakers roster that I just can't figure out. Laker fans, I really, really have an incredibly difficult time trying to figure out one player on this team. I have no idea what Anthony Davis is going to give the Lakers every single night. I don't. I don't know if you guys remember this. Over a month ago, I did Lakers talk, and Brian windhorse came on. And Windhorse, I thought, described it as good as anybody in the business when he said he's a inconsistently great player. Inconsistently great is the uh, is the quote that uh, Brian Windhorse gave, and I've used it a couple times. I try to reference him every time. But the AD piece of this, some of these games for the Lakers that I watch, and and I listen. He went through a stretch here when when he came back. He was putting up 30s and 15s and 30s and 17s, a couple steals and a couple block shots. I know it's not realistic to do that every night. I know that. I know that the best big men in the NBA, and and there are some unbelievable players in the same position as Anthony Davis, and they're just at a different level. I don't know how else to put it. Uh, Jokic is at a different level than A.D., Joel Embiid is at a different level than A.D. Giannis Antetokounmpo and Anthony Davis should not be in the same conversation right now. And that part to me is um, that's the most one of the most frustrating things, I think, watching the Lakers play this season, and really watching the Lakers since the Orlando bubble. I don't know if Anthony Davis is going to come out and have a monster night or A.D. is going to have a night like he had against the Golden State Warriors where he had 16 points and 7 rebounds. Or a night like he had against the Portland Trailblazers where he had 17 points and 7 rebounds. Or a night against the Milwaukee Bucks when he had 22-9. and Giannis was dropping 44 and doing whatever he was doing. I don't know what Anthony Davis is going to bring on a night-in-night-out basis. That is probably the biggest problem with the Lakers right now other than them not going to make a move at the trade deadline. Russell Westbrook... And what he's provided so far this year, the Anthony Davis piece is not talked about enough. Because if I'd have told you that the Lakers were five games below five hundred, with one game left before the All Star break, and on top of that, they were playing critical games against the the Bucks, the Blazers, and the Warriors, where their season is on the line. I don't listen. I don't use that lightly when I say season is on the line. If you're a ninth-place team in the playing tournament, and you got to win two games in a row to get out of the just to make the playoffs and play against the Phoenix Suns or the Golden State Warriors, basically what you're saying is that by the time May 1st rolls around, the season is a wrap. The season is over, and you're not building any continuity, and you're not building any momentum, and you're not building any team chemistry and confidence and um, any any type of uh, momentum. Then you're pretty much already writing the rest of your season in February. And I. the reason why I go back to that is Anthony Davis, this is desperate time for the Lakers right now. And Anthony Davis is not a picture that has been painted just for this year. Anthony Davis, how many times have we said this? He's the present and he's the future. Uh, Laker fans, just to be real here, I am losing more and more confidence in Anthony Davis I'm losing faith that he is a franchise player in the NBA, and I don't know how else to put it. Um, do I want to put the keys in Anthony Davis's hands once LeBron James is gone and say I feel good and confident that this is the player to lead the Lakers franchise to championship number 18 today? Where I sit here, yeah, that's a scary. That's a scary predicament. Um, I, I don't look at that predicament and say to myself, I feel comfortable with that, I feel good about that, and I know what Anthony Davis is on a night-in, night-out basis. The reality is I have absolutely no idea what Anthony Davis is going to give the Lakers um, uh, from one night to another, from one game to another. And on top of that, you know this is not me talking about any of his injuries. Uh, you know I, I've always said that I think the injury piece on Anthony Davis, the availability portion of this, I feel bad for him. Genuinely, I feel bad because no matter what happens, he gets a bad rap when it comes to, well, was he available? Was he not available? Could he have played through something? Could he have not played through something? And I I hate trying to put that type of of pressure on a player. I'm not going to question somebody's pain tolerance or something along those lines. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just when he's in the game and when he's playing. Is Anthony Davis somebody right now that you look at and say, that's a franchise player in the NBA? Uh, every single day that goes by I have more and more doubt that that's the case and we could look at this season where the Lakers are sitting and we could look at what they have not accomplished so far this year being five games below 500 and you got the schedule that I'm going to get into is as brutal as it gets uh, coming up here uh, as as literally as brutal as any other uh, team in the NBA and Anthony Davis Beyond this season, this is the guy that's supposed to lead the Lakers and lead this proud Laker franchise, and LeBron's supposed to hand him the keys and say, "It's yours, buddy. Go take over." And I know they will go try and get another star and everything else, but AD has not shown in the last year and change that he's somebody that you can depend on, and that he's somebody that should be driving the, uh, should be sitting in the driver's seat for a franchise, certainly a franchise like the Lakers that have these unbelievable, unrealistic and realistic expectations on a year-in, year-out basis. So yeah, if you want to give your thoughts on that, you can feel free to do so. Hit me on Twitter, at Alan Sliwa. Again, hit me on Twitter, at Alan Slewa. I think the conversation about Anthony Davis is uh, it's an interesting one, and in some regards uh, you look at it and you get a little concerned about the big picture of it because – uh, where the Lakers sit today and where they're going, and the idea on the concept of where we want them to be, and what happens after LeBron James decides he's going to hang it up, or just naturally he plays so many games over this course of the last, uh, you know, over the course of his career that the only thing that you could think of is, well, can AD lead a franchise? And, and that to me is becoming less and less uh, expected. Or at least my expectations are going down on that front. All right, um, I wanted to uh, hit on a couple things when we come back. LeBron James did something on Saturday night that I think went under the radar that we have to talk about. Uh, Lakers head coach Frank Vogel spoke earlier today. He had a kind of an interesting comment about. Uh, the, the Lakers and not getting a parade and LeBron had sent a, a tweet earlier in the day about uh, maybe some type of a joint parade I'm going to get into that as well and then let's look at the current standings for the Lakers where they are um, the schedule left where the Lakers rank in the toughest schedules remaining in the NBA so we'll do all that coming up next stay right here this is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN
1: Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline.
0: I appreciate you guys being a part of Lakers Talk. Uh, Back on tomorrow morning, by the way, with Travis Rogers, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. We'll have Lakers and the Jazz coming up uh, on Wednesday night, so keep that one in mind. Last game before the All-Star break. Um, So Coach Vogel talked a little bit earlier today. I I thought this was interesting. So... Get into this real quick, and then we'll get back into some of the Lakers content here. But LeBron had sent out a tweet earlier in the day. We, Dodgers and Rams, should all do a joint parade together with a live concert afterwards to end it. City of Champions, congrats once again. We know the Rams are doing their parade this upcoming Wednesday. Lakers got a game Wednesday night against the Utah Jazz, so assuming Lakers won't be a part of that. And then um, earlier today when Vogel talked, he says that um, he feels a real void that the Lakers want, unable to have a parade celebrating their 2020 title. Um, I You know, it's funny. I, I've thought about this. Is there something that the Lakers can do? Is there something that they can do for fans? They didn't, you know, have an opportunity to have a parade. I almost feel like it's too late at this point. You know, that, Um, hey, look, if LeBron's putting out a tweet and saying, let's all go out to SoFi Stadium, let's have a quick little parade and – have the Dodgers, the Rams, and the Lakers all there together and then throw a concert afterwards, they can make that happen. I think that's going to be one of the coolest events that you'll have here in Los Angeles. But um, I, I don't I, I don't know if having a parade at this point, uh, Bucks already were crowned champions. Here we are in February, and the Lakers are ninth place in the Western Conference. It just might be too tough to try to pull something out at this point. Um, so Saturday night, you had LeBron James pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So he has now scored more points than any player in NBA history if you combine the regular season and the postseason. I was looking at it a little bit earlier today. LeBron's played, I want to say it's 29 more playoff games than Kareem. So you know, keep that one in mind. Again, you're putting together... Most points scored in playoffs and regular season combined, and that's how LeBron sits at number one. Now, the real, um, at least this is the one that uh, most points in NBA history, regular season only, LeBron sitting at third. It is predicted that he'll pass Malone this season at the pace that he's going at, and he plays, you know, obviously the rest of the games And it's also predicted at some point next season he would pass Kareem. I saw some stat. It was, all right, if he averages 20 points a game, we'll take 90 games from now. If he averages 25 points a game, we'll take X amount of games. So we'll we'll see what eventually happens. Braun, obviously, in his 19th season in the NBA. So the amount of games is always going to be a question based on his health and everything else. Why was this so under the radar? You know, I, I remember walking in. I was doing some prep on Saturday, and there were some stories, you know, usually when I'm, I'm getting ready to do the pregame show with Michael, I'm trying to find some angles. Okay, what are some stuff that are going on? This is a good conversation. This is a good topic. It was so under the radar. It said LeBron is 19 points shy of passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, you know, obviously, like I said, this is a combination of everything, regular and postseason total. It's crazy. Uh, and part of the stat, too, was LeBron was able to do it in 181 fewer games. Um, if he eventually passes, you know Kareem, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, it's going to be obviously a huge deal—the regular season record. He'll be number one on the list. But damn, why was this one so under the radar? Um, I didn't feel like it was covered all that much, and I feel like it is an amazing feat. It's a—it's a, it's a big time feat that just seemed like it was swept under the rug. And yeah, there's another record for LeBron James and. Maybe that's just part of LeBron James and how we look at what he's doing because there are a lot of games I do the post-game show and I'll say LeBron had 28-9-9, and two steals and two blocks. But let's talk about Malik Monk because he had 19 and we don't see Malik Monk have 19 all the time. Or THT had 17 points. Let's focus on that one. It's so easy to just uh, forget what he's doing and what he's accomplishing and some of the records that he's breaking on a night-in, night-out basis, we look at it for a second, and then before you know it, we sweep it right under the rug and say, okay, let's keep the show moving. Um, I-, I wish more people and more networks hyped up what LeBron accomplished on Saturday because that was just one of another unbelievable record that he breaks. And eventually, um, you know, as I knock on wood here that LeBron is healthy, he'll uh, get an opportunity to break Carl Malone or pass Karl Malone and then break the all-time scoring record, which is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So another uh, cool moment for, uh, for LBJ. Okay, so Lakers in the standings. Lakers right now in the NBA standings. By the way, um, I'm going to close out the show. I'm going to do some top NBA stories, and uh, we'll look at the power rankings and all that stuff. But before we do so, the current standings for the Lakers... And the reason why part of the top NBA stories, I want to look at the NBA standings for the Eastern Conference because it's pretty damn exciting, to be honest with you. Here's where the Lakers are. 26-31. and 31. They've lost three games in a row. Um, you know, obviously struggling, however you want I think they've lost eight of their last 11 games. Um, you know, some ugly losses in in, uh, in the middle there, and I'm, I'm referring to the game against the Portland Trailblazers that they had, uh, what was that, last week or so. Um, the game against the Clippers without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, obviously that jumps out. The road trip that they had, uh, that loss against the Atlanta Hawks where they get outscored 38 to 20 in the fourth quarter. So this is where the Lakers currently sit today. They're ninth in the NBA standings, 26 and 31. I want to give some. Uh, I want to give a little bit of a preview. The Lakers have 25 games left the rest of the way. 15 of the last 25 games are against teams that are above 500. The Lakers currently today have the toughest schedule left in the NBA. All right, they got the toughest schedule left in the NBA, these final 25. Still got two against the Phoenix Suns, still got two against the Golden State Warriors, still got two against the Utah Jazz. So those are three of the top four teams in the Western Conference you still got six games against. You got a matchup against the Cavs, the Philadelphia 76ers, two against the Dallas Mavericks. Throw the Clippers in there as well, two matchups against them. I throw them in there because that's just a tough, gritty team, and the Lakers are already uh, 0-2 against the Clippers this year. So with that in mind, the Lakers obviously got got some work to do here. Um, The against teams above 500 I mentioned 15 of the last 25 games are against teams above 500. Lakers currently right now are seven and 16 against teams that are above 500 so they got a long way to go Laker fans. I don't know how the rest of the season is gonna go um, I, I would say it would be can you can you close out the regular or the first half of the season with a win against the Utah Jazz it won't be easy it won't. So I said this earlier in the show. Lakers are either going to be 4 games below 500 or they're going to be 6 games below 500 based upon this game against the Utah Jazz. Well, where does Utah sit? Utah right now 35 and 21. They've won 5 games in a row. I don't know what the latest is on Rudy Gobert, but they're sitting fourth place in the Western Conference and it's just going to be a battle. Really it's going to be an incredibly tough game and about a month ago Lakers beat the Utah Jazz. Um, and again, we'll we'll see if Gobert plays in this one or if he doesn't. Uh, but with or without Rudy Gobert, I, I guess he's questionable. That's right. They got Houston um, before they end up playing the Lakers. I think he's questionable in that game. So we'll we'll see what eventually happens from that regard. But the matchup that, if you're looking at the Lakers in the in the standings right now, ninth place in the Western Conference means you will start the playing tournament against a game against the Portland Trail Blazers, Pelicans and Spurs, everybody's Kings, everybody's you know within a game and a half, so really who that 10th seed is I have no idea. We'll have to wait and see. But you you would start a game against a team like the Blazers or the Pelicans. You'd have to win that game at home, and then you'd have to go on the road after that, whether it's the Clippers and you stay at Crypto.com Arena or it'd be the Minnesota Timberwolves, but you'd have to go 2-0 just to make the playoffs. So that's why it's so key to try to get out of this ninth position and just as an example on Saturday night while the Lakers were losing to the Golden State Warriors the Clippers were walking into Dallas against Luka and picking up a W on the road and they have a game and a half lead now on the uh, on the Lakers in the Western Conference standings so gives you kind of an idea where the Lakers are and how tough and difficult the remaining 25 games are going to be they have the toughest schedule remaining in the NBA We'll see what the Lakers do on that front. Coming up next, we got our top NBA stories. A couple good ones here that I want to get into. I haven't even got a chance to talk about the trade that went down on Thursday between the Sixers and the Nets. Um, The Eastern Conference right now is crazy. It really is. The Eastern Conference, you got so many different teams competing for the number one spot. The playing tournament would be ridiculous if it started today. Uh, We'll get into that as well. And uh, there's some teams in the Western Conference that might be getting some help with some injured players potentially coming back, only making the path for the Lakers and everyone else in the Western Conference more difficult. We'll do all that coming up next. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN.
1: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All
0: right, just a quick reminder, you miss any part of Lakers Talk, ESPN app or on iTunes, just go to Lakers Talk with Alan Slewa. Always catch the weekly show that we do. Always appreciate you guys being a part of the show. A quick reminder, next week we'll be in the middle of the All-Star break, and there will be no Lakers talk next Monday. So just a heads up on that one. Uh, also, a quick thank you to Valvoline Instant Oil Change. Oil changes, tire rotations, transmission care, and more. Just pull up, drive in, and drive out in about 15 minutes. Visit SoCalOilChange.com for location and game-winning coupons off your next Valvoline Instant Oil Change. Lakers taking on the Utah Jazz. That's coming up on uh, Wednesday night. Uh, tip-off will be at 7, pregame show at 5.30. Last chance for the Lakers to close out the All-Star break without being uh, without going on a four-game losing streak. and I think it'll be 8-10 that they lost, so try to get that all out of the mix. So go see if you can beat the Utah Jazz, which uh, certainly won't be easy. Um, okay, so I mentioned a couple NBA stories I want to get into. First one, of course, is the blockbuster trade that went down between the Sixers and the Nets. We all know the deal, James Harden. Um, uh, goes to the uh, Sixers. Let's get Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, a couple of picks. This, this has been a you know just a, a fascinating conversation. Well, who won the trade? I put out a tweet on Thursday right after the trade went down, and the trade was very simple. Who won the trade? I, I never have things that are this close. right? You always want to kind of put up polls where it's an interesting one. It could go one way or the other, but sometimes everybody feels the same way. This one was Sixers – 50.6 percent won the trade. Uh, the Nets 49.4 percent won the trade. How about that? Just a little bit over one percent of a difference, and this is you know 700 plus votes or whatever the case is. Um, I was telling Michael Thompson this. The way I look at the trade, I think short term it's a better move for Philly. Short term, I think they have 100 percent increased their chances of going to go win a championship. And I think there's still a lot of questions left for the Brooklyn Nets. KD's got to come back and be healthy. Ben Simmons we haven't seen all season. Kyrie Irving plays in half the games. There's a lot of question marks there. The one thing I could say about the Philadelphia 76ers, coming into today, they're 12 games above 500. They're two and a half games out of the first place in the Eastern Conference. And they are adding James Harden to their roster. And, and I think the, the mix with James Harden and, and uh, Joel Embiid is a fantastic mix doesn't mean it's going to work people can question James Harden giving up on the nets and this and that I don't I, I don't disagree with any of that stuff but if you're James Harden you got exactly what you wanted you get a chance to go play in Philly you get a chance to go play with Daryl Morey think about all that Daryl Morey was taking all the hits and the, the lefts and the rights that he was taking I remember telling Michael Thompson this when we do the pre I'm like Michael he doesn't have to make a move right now I remember one of the deals was Harrison Barnes and uh, it was Buddy healed from Sacramento. It was one of those moves. It was, a, it was a, a trade like that. I told Michael, I'm like, Michael, if he waits in the offseason, you know what trade's going to be there? Buddy healed and Harrison Barnes. That trade will always be there. If he wants to go big game hunting, I don't mind him wasting this season to go big game hunting because if he waits and he hits, they got a legitimate chance of going to uh, go win an NBA championship. They didn't wait till next season. They did it at the trade deadline. So now you got James Harden and you got Joel Embiid. And for some reason, nobody wants to talk about some of these other players that the Sixers have, like Tobias Harris. Um, like, uh, you know, I, I know everybody obviously knows uh, Danny Green and players like that, but Tyrese Maxey is a nice person. Um, uh, Matisse Theibel is a nice person. So I think they got a squad. I think they have a legitimate chance of winning it all. So I say, short term, I like the move for the Philadelphia 76ers. Let's see what they end up doing. Um the other uh, the other thing that I think is just pretty incredible right now, have you guys looked at the Eastern Conference standings? I- I'm gonna I'm gonna refer to it coming into today because I know there's games going on and everything else. but coming into today, two and a half games separates the number one seed to the number five seed. Miami, Chicago, Cleveland, Milwaukee, and the Philadelphia 76ers are separated. By two and a half games for the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Oh, by the way, Boston is bawling out right now. The Toronto Raptors are playing fantastic basketball. Who would have thought they'd be seven games above five hundred? That's your six and your seven seeds. Okay, let's go a step further. Brooklyn, who we know the you know, obviously the the, the troubles that they've had here over the last couple of weeks or so, KD out, the James Harden uh, was out for a while as well. Imagine having to play the Brooklyn Nets in the first round. What what if if the playoffs started today and the Brooklyn Nets got out of the playing tournament? They got Miami or Chicago in the first round. How exciting and how good would that be? So the Eastern Conference, I just can't you know I, I can't talk about it enough. How stacked the East is and how exciting that conference looks like right now. Another story that I thought was interesting that came out uh, a couple days ago. The Nuggets' president says that Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. could return this season. It's up to them. I bring that up for a couple of reasons. He said, by the way, his exact quote was, um, "This is uh, it's up to them. We're going to clear them at some point in the not too distant future, and then they'll have to determine when and if they're ready." Imagine if the Denver Nuggets get Michael Porter Jr. back and uh, and Jamal Murray. They're sitting right now in sixth place in the Western Conference. Yeah, they'd have Memphis in the first round. So, all I'm trying to say is buckle up because when the playoffs start in the NBA, it looks like there's going to be so many good matchups and a lot of teams. Yes, you have your uh, your your favorites: the Suns, the Warriors. Uh, you know, you can maybe throw Miami, Milwaukee in there, maybe even Philadelphia. But there's just going to be some fantastic matchups and. We just hope that the Lakers are obviously part of that mix. NBA did their uh, ESPN power rankings as they always do. Um, Lakers are top five in the NBA with Suns, Warriors, Memphis, Miami, and Milwaukee was ESPN's top five. And the Lakers three weeks in a row sitting at number 19. No surprise or shock there. Lakers 26 and 31. Um, All right. uh, If you miss any part of the show, as always, ESPN app or on iTunes. Just search Lakers Talk with Alan Slewa. I'm back on tomorrow morning with Travis Rogers. We'll start uh, talking Lakers basketball uh, certainly now that the NFL season is over. And then the Lakers will have a game coming up against the Utah Jazz on Wednesday. Uh, Tip-off will be at 7 p.m. 5.30 will be the start of the pregame show. Thank you to everybody that tuned in the show. As always, uh, Lakers fans, have a great rest of your night.